Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net, bringing you another episode of the HTDC podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Taylor Payton. In his own words, Taylor is a pragmatic polymath. Ever since he was a child, he's felt the need to constantly expand his prowess and the creative domains, while learning, teaching, and sharing as much as he can with the world. And he is also featured as an instructor on our very own How to Draw Comics, now showcasing three comprehensive drawing courses, which we'll link to in the episode description. Welcome to the show, Taylor. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. It's a real honor, Clayton. Thank you for having me. Uh, Excited to be here and looking forward to talking some art and comics and all the good things in between. Yeah, man, that's really awesome. I can't wait. So uh, why don't we start off with your background in art? Are you a self-taught artist, or did you enroll in an art school to to hone your talents? Uh, Yeah, so I ended up going to the Art Institutes International Minnesota. Uh, I'm from the U.S., by the way, so uh, we had a branch of the Art Institute here, uh, which I ended up going there for a four-year program from the ages of 18 to 23. Uh, I studied media arts and animation, uh, and like I said, I got a, a BS in that. So um, even though I, I kind of opted out of the animation game, I really fell in love with illustration and concept art in my sophomore year and began to pursue that pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you find going to art school helped you out with, uh, and that it was worth the, the money that you paid in enrolling? Uh, I feel it gave me an edge um, just because we did have a pretty comprehensive program, everything from uh, gesture drawing, a little bit of fine art and foundations. We had 3D modeling, 3D animation, 2D animation, character design, writing for animation. It was a really animation-heavy program, so whether you wanted to do 2D or 3D, there's just a lot to learn in that skill set, and I, I feel comfortable in in a lot of programs these days and in a lot of pipelines because I went to school. So, Hey, man, that's awesome. Were you kind of talented before you got in to school, though, before you went to and, and did your course? Uh, I, I remember as early as about nine years old getting told that my Dragon Ball Z fan art was starting to shape up. You know? <laughs> nice. Um, that was definitely what I grew up on, was sort of the anime, cartoons, and uh, video games vibe of like the um, kind of mid-90s when I came online as like a little human, you know, so uh, that stuff makes a pretty big impression. But yeah, I remember getting told all throughout at various intervals in my schooling that, you know, you should really think about this. This is something you should really try. And so Mm. I guess that gave me the confidence to really kind of lay into it and lean into the interest. So Yeah, totally, man. I was very much the same. Started out with Dragon Ball Z. I was a very big fan back then still am a very mm-hmm. big fan kind of gave mm-hmm. my gave me my introduction into anatomy just love the way that yeah. they stylize the the bodies and stuff and the the muscle structure and whatnot oh, i have to agree uh definitely um, just a huge and emblematic uh intro to art in general for a lot of us that grew up in the 90s so a lot of us are artists today because of dragon ball z in, in large part but that's awesome i'm glad that you can relate yeah totally isn't that cool um well that's cool so do you prefer to work digitally or traditionally Uh, my workflow these days is mostly digital i really am at home in photoshop and i find that i just after about a decade of working with it i'm 29 by the way um, cool it's been really easy to just fly and do what i need to do and make all the changes and revisions necessary when you're freelancing so even though I bring my sketchbooks everywhere with me, I, I don't use them very much for professional stuff aside from thumbnails and studies. So, Yeah, man. You know, talking to you, I'm realizing we have a lot in common. I'm 29 at least and for the next few weeks before I turn 30. <laughs> oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, I predominantly work digitally as well. It's just these days it's it's so convenient, you know, to be able to just open up Photoshop or Manga Studio, Clip Studio Paint, and all your tools are already there at your disposal. You don't really have to fork out any extra money to replace tools if you're working mm-hmm. traditionally. And it's just, I think it can be an expensive upfront cost, but in the long run, it works out 
financially much better for you. Um, agreed, agreed. Yeah, the setup is much more modular. You can just change a lot of stuff, and with creative freedom, that's a big one. But no, I, I'm surprised to hear that you're mostly digital too, because I look at some of your stuff, which I greatly admire, by the way, and I see all this like strong draftsmanship. And to me, that's usually as a result of a lot of time logged in the traditional mediums. And in comics, you know, that's a little more common to my understanding. Yeah, thanks, man. I, uh, I'm i going to tell you that it's definitely intentional. I really wanted to make sure that if I was going to jump to digital, it had that traditional looking quality to the line work that I was producing in that format. So, yeah, man, it's taken a long time, of course, to actually get to that point, but I guess the funny thing is, is I work digitally in very much the same way as I would work traditionally anyway. It's just, you know, different tools that you're using, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really cool. It, it, does, it does take a little bit to get that digital edge off of your work if you're really going for that traditional look. So. Yeah, you betcha. So what software do you like to use? Uh, I've been jamming a little bit in Procreate because I have an iPad. And that's been really fun. I, I find it's a lot more intuitive in Photoshop and takes some getting used to, especially the Apple Surface and the Apple Pencil. It just is different from the Intuos or a Cintiq, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but those are my two main programs if I'm not sketching in my sketchbook. I did try Painter a little bit. Um, it felt just like a, a different version of Photoshop, but once I got a more traditional look in Photoshop, I was more about that. I like the lines of paint tool side, but I, I kind of left that alone after high school. So Photoshop's kind of my main squeeze. How about you? Yep, same same with me, man. I, I love Photoshop, and uh, but I reserve that mostly for my coloring work now, whereas for my line work, I switched over to Cliff Studio Paint just because the tools were much more intuitive and they seemed very much, uh, I guess very balanced to specifically get the same feel that you would have if you were drawing with a pencil or you were drawing with a pen. And I just thought they did a really great job of that. So I decided to stick with them. But back in the day, man, everything I did was done in Photoshop. The penciling, the inking, the coloring, it was all in one application. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it is robust enough, but sometimes you can just get that extra... Um, crispness or that really uh, traditional or like traditional ink look in other programs and I'm glad to hear that Clip Studio can help you kind of create that because I I look at your stuff and it does look super traditional so Uh, thanks man I I really appreciate that and of course your art is killer as well Um, I gotta say though you're an incredible teacher as well on top of that Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later on I guess but uh, Mm -hmm. right off the bat your delivery and the way that you structure your lessons it's uh something that as an instructor myself i look up to in you as well because i'm not the best speaker i'm not the most charismatic person but uh i try to fake it till i make it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i um i definitely want to get your figure drawing foundations proportions book just because i I really have a, a big respect for your figure work and i like um your characters a lot um, I know that's something I can bring up in my own work. I, I, I do teach um, pretty broadly because I've, I've touched a lot of different uh, drawing and painting modalities, and I feel like I have a, a gift when it comes to expressing ways to parse them. So I'm glad that the lessons kind of come across that way because I just want to be able to turn like the learnings into parcels that people can unpack pretty readily. But if you really dig into the lesson, then you can also get some more out of it. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, as I said, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so where has your art taken you in terms of your career, Taylor? Are you able to make a living as an artist? Yeah, um, fortunately, this year has probably been my best so far in 2020. Um, the, the introductory part, you mentioned sort of the, the polymath bent, and that's just one who is you know, widely learned. Um, and I, I'm a self-proclaimed polymath. Nobody's really given me that title. I just have a, a vast degree of interest, and um, even though I studied drawing and painting, it really, um, uh, my, my interest took me all over the board for my 20s, and so I've, I've studied music, I've studied um, some geometry, I've studied 3D uh, modeling and texturing and lighting, 
but my main sort of focus career-wise has always been illustration and concept art. So I work for a lot of gaming startups, and I'm pretty much the sole artist. I, I, I kind of pick people out of forums and out of recently funded Kickstarters and pitch them. And nice. they typically like the, the look of the work or they don't. And if they like it, I usually negotiate a, a fair and substantial contract and, you know, weekly or biweekly payments. And that's been pretty remunerative for me. Um, before I made the decision to really jump in as an artist, um, that's just one thing I want to kind of caution your audience or at least give them a little heads up is that if you want to do it, then you really have to devote yourself kind of deeply and singularly to it for a while to see any real success financially. Um, at least that was the case for me because for a while, again, I, I kind of touched a bunch of different domains and I wasn't really satisfied creatively um, with freelance my first go around because I've been working since I was probably 22, so before I even graduated. But I wasn't ready to like give it my all until you realize like, well, you, you kind of have to pick something and grow roots and, you know, you can't be everything and nothing at the same time. So, Dude, I can relate so much to that. Um, cause I saw that you had experience in video, in the video game industry as well. And that's kind of where I started out, but I always had this love for comic book illustration. Like that was the thing that was close to my heart. But I had a ton of mm -hmm. other interests too, especially in 3D modeling and sculpting. Mm -hmm. I really loved the idea with video games that you could create your own world and your own characters and then bring them to life in this interactive context for your audience. Mm -hmm. It's and so fun. It is. It's so cool. Um, and, and to be a part of this world that, that you created from your imagination. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, you know, comics were always in the background, and I had the same feeling as you. I, I knew that if I really wanted to make a go of it, I'd have to 100% dedicate myself to that craft because, you know, there's a number of disciplines with comic book art. You gotta, if you want to do all of them, you've got to be good at penciling and inking and then coloring as well. So I had to somewhat let go of the 3D sculpting and the 3D modeling and, and all the mm -hmm. video game stuff because you've probably noticed yourself that kind of technology just upgrades itself and evolves in the blink of an eye. And oh, if yes. I went if I went back to it, it's been like, you know, ten years since mm -hmm. I was really deep into video games. And mm -hmm. it's no doubt does not look or resemble anything that it once did. <laughs> oh, the playing field shifts fast in the gaming industry, yeah. I mean, I'm curious, was, was comics always like just a sort of a, a gem for you and an inspiration for you if you would read comics constantly, even when you were uh, working in some of the more uh, 3D or video game oriented fields? And then finally, what, what was the age you decided like, that you're going to specialize now? Hmm, it's a good question. Yeah, comics were always there in the background, even as a kid uh, in primary school. I remember we had watched the, the, the cartoons on the TV in the morning and I'd go to school and me and my mates would create little comics of the cartoons that we had watched that morning and mm -hmm. so we were kind of taking inspiration just from these outside sources I found mm -hmm. comic books to be a really great form of expression because it was a visual medium that allowed you to express a narrative mm -hmm. and so kind of did that for a while always was into the style i just was really attracted to it i think it was the bold line work the bold colors so i'd collect comic books here and there and just get involved in the the adventures that the characters would go on and still to this day like i can think back to some of the comic books i read as a kid and remember feeling like i was so much a part of those worlds and i think that when i left high school I realized, damn, like, I got to get a real job. You know, I think we all have that that sobering moment where we've got to make money somehow. And mm -hmm. so it was either, you know, work in the retail sector as a checkout chick or something or, or flipping burgers <laughs> mm -hmm. or try to get into a creative field that was a little bit more realistic. And so that was games for me because I knew that that was a growing industry and it still interested me, you know, you were designing characters, you were designing sets and creating these worlds. But uh, I think after a while, 
all the expertise that I had kind of developed in those fields had drawn my attention away from comic books. And there was just that point. I remember it, there was one night where uh, I, I made that decision and I decided that, you know what, I'm going to stick with comics because that's where my heart lies. And I think a big part of that as well was because I knew that to create a video game, it just took so many other people to actually make it happen. And maybe I'm a control freak, but I really <laughs> like the idea of having control over my projects, which is probably why I did develop my skills in, you know, coloring, inking, and penciling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always good when you have a decisive moment, you know, like when, whenever we're pursuing a bunch of different things, experimenting in different realms of creativity, your heart always resides with one of them, even if you're kind of playing around. And so then you, you get to this point where it's, it's time to make a firmer decision. Um, and then it, it's like, okay, well, this one always lit me up inside. And for you, that was comics, and that's really cool. Um, I've always enjoyed a lot of comic book artists. Like um, Jay Alpina is one of my favorites. His draftsmanship is just out of this world. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of really amazing, uh, like, people who can draw really strongly. Alan Lee. Yeah. And I, but but I was never, like, I was never really good at reading comics or fiction, for that matter. I, I consume a lot of video games and, like, shows, mostly, and anime. Um, I did read a little bit of manga, but eventually I, I just ended up in the illustration realm because I remember Magic the Gathering was the thing that got me really excited about uh, painting and, and kind of studying modern-day mastery. And so that's where I sort of um, kind of was drawn to. And even though I do a lot of stuff for games, um, it's really kind of fun to explore the concept art side of things as well because they feel really similar, those two fields, even though there's obviously you know, super specialized illustrators, super specialized like comic book colorists or uh, draftsmen. Um, it's just nice to kind of further develop each uh, branch of our artistic tree and, and realize which ones are the strongest. So. Yeah, totally. And I think that's how you come to realize what it is you're really supposed to be doing when mm -hmm. you have got the choice to do anything and you've honed your skills to a decent degree in all of those areas so you're not coming at it from a place of lack you're coming at it from this place of abundance where you can see very clearly where it is you want to truly put your focus and yeah man that that was comics for me but don't get me wrong every now and then i'll you know they've got these 3d printers and stuff now that are just amazing super high detail um and it always makes me think how cool it would be to get back into ZBrush and start digitally sculpting out one of these characters that I designed. Because I love concept art as well, man. Designing characters is one of the coolest things. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I, I'm tempted. I am tempted every now and then, but I, I know... <laughs> it is hard. It, it's hard to resist the temptation. I feel like uh, it's really hard not to go back to music for me in the midst of all this illustration work. Like, I'm juggling these two clients and uh, creating, basically, most of the art for some up-and-coming IPs that they're launching. And I know how much focus it takes to do a really good job. You know, like, when you really lean into it and you're giving it your all and you're taking revisions in stride and studying on the side, even when you're not working on the main pieces. So it just takes, like, that discipline of, like, nope, focus. We, we, we've done that over there. We were okay at it. But you got to really have that... Um, that almost laser-like focus. You can't be a spotlight, so mm. to really make it shine. And I can tell that you've put your, your focus deeply into the comic and character desi like design side of things because, again, like your, your super heroines pack and um, like you already have um, character creator E and like yep. the, the, the designs are just so appealing to me. Like the thumbnails are good. There's a bunch of different drawings to showcase them from a lot of different angles, so... Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of concept art fodder in comics, too. So it's not like you have to lose out on all of it. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate the kind words. And that's something uh, that's really important to me. I think that a great comic book has got to have characters which are designed really, really well and, and worlds that are designed really, really well, just like mm -hmm. a video game or a movie, because it's kind of it's still an experience for the audience. A visual experience and mm -hmm. so it still matters indubitably yeah there's there's lots of room to play that's the thing is it, you feel like you're 
using knowing specializing, sacrificing all these other potentialities, but really you're just honing in on, on, on depth as opposed to breadth. And then you can see that there's all these possibilities in the two when you were afraid to go down it, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right. So tell us about some of your daily habits, Taylor, when it comes to practice, how do you keep your skills sharp? Yeah, great question. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is bring a sketchbook with me everywhere. Um, it's it can get a little excessive, so I'd say I bring it with me probably eighty five percent of the time. But wow, that's family a, events. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so family events. I'm like drawing pets, drawing plants. I'm always trying to draw from life as much as possible. Um, typically, I'll have one vector of focus, like value structures, mm-hmm. and I no matter what medium I switch to, I'm always thinking in value. Um, and so I'll have one area I'm studying and just trying to figure that area out in all these different mediums. So if I'm at my desk uh, or my workstation, then I'm, if I'm not working on client work and thinking really deeply about values, I'm thinking deeply about values as I'm watching like really amazing artists on YouTube talk about them or doing speed paintings just in grayscale. Um, maybe I'm taking out like the broad pencil and attacking um, my sketchbook with uh, different value patterns I'm seeing from life or drawing my girlfriend when she watches TV on the couch and just thinking about like how you can parse the black, the white, the gray. Um, so most of my practice daily is either in the form of life drawing or I try to just use a lot of really strongly designed reference in my client work yeah. um, and really try to pick that apart and not just use the reference to get the result, but use the reference to understand how I can reproduce the result without the reference. Totally, man. That's an incredible power to have is to not only be able to see what it is you're drawing, but to actually understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to really get it categorized. It's it's not unlike learning to play scales in music or trying to uh, develop a, a ratio when you're baking. You you get these different patterns memorized, and drawing is, is the same. You're effectively remembering different value compositions or shapes. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and the way in which you speak about how you see the world, how you've always got that sketchbook with you 85% of the time, which, you know, I wish I could say that, but uh, I don't. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's almost like a state of mind that you're in, where you're analyzing the world and breaking it down into the principles of art and how to how to execute it well so you know you're looking at things in terms of value you're looking at things in terms of anatomy and proportion and and then the lighting and capturing the mood that you want to see within your work Mm -hmm. yeah exactly the core of it all is intent and attention so if you intend to learn deeply one subject it doesn't really you know the medium will dictate how you kind of apply that subject you know sketchbook is going to be different than digital if you're making sure that you're just observing deeply, seeing it with novelty, and putting the, the laser of your focus on something, then it starts to like unfold its secrets to you. You start to realize more and more how much you hadn't ever seen before. So it's always new and always exciting, and a good way to be excited about every day and excited about drawing, because you're always going to see something new, or you're going to see the same pattern or same principle reinforced in a way that seems new. So um, I'm, I'm curious, though. I'm wondering about how you go about practicing because I'm always trying to think of new ways to do it that are, you know, ones that my brain would never come up with. Yeah, well, for me, uh, a lot of my focus has been on how to draw comics over the years and mm-hmm. doing educational content for that. And part of that is being able to break down and analyze every single facet of my process and then give that to other people and i think uh because i've done that so much and i'm such a perfectionist that's been what has kept my abilities sharp and and stop the rust from forming because you know when you're working on a business a lot of time and attention can go into that and you know your skill sets in other areas <laughs> mostly it's been my probably my relationships and uh and whatnot <laughs> that need a little bit of a groundwork yeah. at this point but yeah um yeah so i remember doing this i, I was well I had this head course in the making for a long time like months mm-hmm. and i never put it out because i was such a perfectionist about it uh but i did so many heads for that course just drawing them over and over and over and over and over again 
facial features, the structure, and really analyzing it on a detailed level. And I think just being in that mindset for so many years has really helped me out in a massive way. And there is some truth to what they say that being a teacher and teaching others is the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, that's potent. That's really potent. I could definitely resonate when it comes to trying to run a business and, you know, keep your skills sharp because they're, they're seemingly disparate mindsets, you know, and business can muddy up art real bad or art can turn business into a very unprofitable thing. So it's not an easy balance to strike, but that's great that you've used teaching to propel you forward because I, I found that that was really integral for me as well because it's like I have to explain this. And then you hear that one quote, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, yep. it's the, the source escapes me, but it was something I think, it might have been Richard Feynman who talked about if you can't explain it really simply, you don't fully understand it. Yeah. And so that stuck with me really deeply as I was trying to uh, kind of work my way through these basics. And if I couldn't distill them really, uh, really effectively, I knew I had to double down and really get them cemented before I decided to try and give anybody any information about it. Yeah, absolutely, man. One of the other things I did while I was practicing as well, or as a practicing technique, is I did pretty much the same thing as you, but not quite. It was more finding reference images on Mm -hmm. the internet and Mm -hmm. making a giant folder full of them and then just pulling those up whenever I wanted to kind of scratch up on my rendering skills or, you know, just just to practice something. Um, I do think that working from life is a very educational experience for an artist and an important one to have under your belt. It can help with ver- a lot of different things. Um, and what I would do in order to hone my skills as a comic book artist instead of a, a fine artist through doing that is I would take those references and I would translate them into a comic book format, like in a comic book style. And I found that was really helpful as well. So I would take the styles that I loved about my favorite comic book artists and I would take the references and kind of combine the two together. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. I haven't thought of uh, distilling like, you know, something that's photographic or just a, a reference that's much more realistic and trying to formulate the the style around it. That's a, I mean, yeah. I'm sure, you know, you do a lot of mileage, so you kind of do it, but doing it consciously, that's a whole other kind of game changer. I feel like uh, anybody who's trying to cultivate a style and also level up, that's a really nice medium. Oh, yeah, big time, man. Um, all right, so as artists, this is an important question that I've got for you. Mm-hmm. As artists, we all have our down days. How do you keep yourself motivated? That's an awesome question. Yeah, because sometimes you get that assignment or you, you know, draw or paint a face that looks like you don't know how to paint or draw a face at all. And then your your self-confidence takes a dive. And so you kind of have to step back. For me, it's just really being willing to give myself some space, even if it's a timed amount of space. Uh, typically, I don't go too crazy with deadlines. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I, I can rock about a 40, 50-hour week and still make a pretty healthy living. So mm-hmm. there's enough breathing room to go for walks or to, you know, watch an episode of something or to work out and, you know, just do basic hygiene or other human things and come <laughs> back to it. Because yep. otherwise, you just you're just grinding yourself into the piece and sort of just hating your way through it and you, you can feel when your your emotions are off and how it's going to affect the outcome and I've, I've learned just through trial and error that when i'm having a down day then if i can work for just 25 focused minutes each time then mm. i i start to really find more equanimity more balance because if i'm there's some days where i can just grind it where i'm hitting like you know one hour strides 45 minute strides uh, before taking the break just for wrist health and you know body health but if I'm, if I'm really not feeling it, 25 minutes, um, sometimes as low as 15 minutes is the minimum. Because mm-hmm. often for me, it's a, it's a problem of focus more than it's an emotional problem. Uh, I'll just be thinking about the wrong thing while trying to solve a problem. And if you're not thinking fully about the problem, the equation's going to come out wrong. It's almost as simple as math. But, mm-hmm. um, That's the yeah, way it goes. You just got to take breaks and, and really be assiduous with understanding that if you put your attention on it, the solution will come. Or 
if you diffuse your attention, then your subconscious is still working on it. So you don't need to overly concern yourself or overwork it. For sure. I think it's important to have that self-trust as well as an mm -hmm. artist. And we do have a lot of things that we can depend on within ourselves that allow us to get through, you know, those, those tough grinds. And I think that sometimes when you're unmotivated, it's your subconscious telling you to take a break in some ways. I, I guess there's different levels of it, uh, being unmotivated just on a surface level when, you know, you're kind of bored and there's, you think of all these better things to do, but when you're really unmotivated and you're just depleted in terms of energy, physically mm -hmm. and mentally, mm -hmm. it's important to listen to that and to take a break when you need to, because it's like anything else, right? In order to really make those gains in life, you've got to make sure that you rest the required amount because you won't get stronger in, in anything that you're doing otherwise, uh, whether that be art or, or going to the gym or, or whatever. And uh, it's kind of funny that uh, you bring up the, the, the whole hygiene and, and physical health aspect as well. This week I've been really smashing out this, this reworking of our website and, mm -hmm. and just making it a little bit user-intuitive and trying to get that up and running and, and putting out a, a new Skillshare class. And so I've just been super focused on that. So I've missed the gym, which I usually go to every day or second day. And, mm -hmm. you know, my my beard's starting to get out of control. I have a, <laughs> an awesome neck beard happening. And it's just, it is funny how we tend to let ourselves go when we become too focused in one area or the other. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's and, amazing. And Sorry, God. And you can probably relate as well. Uh, I remember before you mentioned that you had a partner. Um, sometimes you can be so focused on your work that, you know, even in terms of your relationships, it can really be a bit of a hindrance. <laughs> I know my partner oh. has to pull me away from the desk a lot of the time. <laughs> 100%. That's, I think that's how you know you're on the right track, you know, in some ways. In some ways, obviously, balance and everything because I've, I've pulled the same stuff. You know, I've, I've grounded down to, like, making my wrist hurt or just like sitting badly all day because you're just so absorbed with it. You forget you like your body exists. You're, yeah. you're just like a vehicle for your mind. Like I have to finish this course. I have to understand the, the third, you know, uh, dimension perfectly and be able to do three point perspective by tonight or like bad things will happen. So it's, it's really <laughs> kind of funny how absorbed you can get in, in the process, but once you give yourself that breathing room, it's a, it's a much better dance. And having 80% of what you want in all the areas is better than 150% in one. And then, like, your relationships crumbling, your back going out, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the nature of being an artist, isn't it, where you become so absorbed and so engaged in what you're doing because you love it that much. Like, when you've got a passion, it's an mm -hmm. obsession, really, at the end of the day, isn't it? For sure. Yeah, like I said, it's it definitely affects and bleeds into almost every other area of life. And then your job is to then figure out where that's, you know, serving you and where that isn't. So, yeah, um, I read a really good book by um, Stephen King, who I, I know he's just a pretty well-known guy in general. Yeah, he's awesome. It was, on, it, it was on writing. And he talked about how, you know, he's really into his craft. But after aging a certain point, you know, into his 50s or 60s, that... It's really, you know, about life serves the craft, not the other way around. Like yeah. it, it really, all your balance in every other area is going to refocus you and make you so much more powerful and energized than if you were to just, you know, go 150% into your craft or your career or your domain because it's possible and you might climb to the very top, but if you burn yourself at both ends, then you're you're not going to have a very good reign. You know, it's like the king that just kind of gets to the throne and dies, or the queen that just, you know, doesn't see her enemies coming because she spent too long in one other area. Yeah, that's a very insightful quote there. The craft... Wait, what was it again? Um, life serves the craft, not the other way. Around. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and yep. it's just my own distillation. But yeah, it's... It's just so important to have balance because it, as much as we can obsess and there's periods for obsession where you can do it without, you know, burning yourself into burnout, basically. Mm. Um, just having a holistic approach means you win the marathon because it really is a marathon. Like, how long can you do this? Not how much. 
Um, can you do it into your 80s? Because then you're going to be making some crazy work, you know? You have decades of experience and specialization and exploration under your belt. And if your body is still functioning and your mind is still sharp, you're just going to do some insane, like, level of, of uh, mastery. Mm. So we've, we've all got time, for the most part, if we're using it all right. Very true, man. I never thought about it that way. And uh, it's it's very meaningful to me as somebody who has always felt that pressure of, uh, I wouldn't say impending doom, but like time's running out. Like there's a limited amount of times that I'm going to be able to do this stuff. So mm-hmm. kind of makes me feel a little bit better when you put it like that. Yeah, I've had to, I've had to come to that conclusion because it just, I, I felt the exact same way. <laughs> I have yeah. to do this and then haven't seen my friends in three weeks and that's fine. So. Yeah. Well, as Stephen King said, right, it's, it's, life that serves the craft essentially and i think that that makes a lot of sense because if our our art and creativity is our expression then we've got to fill ourselves up in order to be able to have some material there to express whether that be life experiences or you know i really love watching movies like that's one of my favorite i guess um pastimes i'll uh, get together with a mate or a friend and I'll, we'll watch movies, we'll just binge watch them. And I find that's very inspirational for my stories and for the visuals that I want to create to those stories as well. And mm. having that downtime to relax and to fill your cup back up, I think really does serve you in the end as a, as a creator. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the fact that you take, you know, a, a set day or a set like block of time to just kind of binge watch them and really live that world I think is so important and it's one of the best most juiciest parts about being somebody who's a creative is that you can just let go of your craft for a little bit and dive deep into what somebody else's mind or like the production of some amazing film like uh, um, you know looking at the way they did Avengers or something and mm-hmm. seeing all these designs or like the Star Wars movies you know love them or hate them the designs are, are just gorgeous you know, like yeah. they, they definitely had a crack team of just concept artists and illustrators and people doing the paneling and layouts and storyboarding just to get that manifestation on screen <laughs> and to really live that world. Just it, it does fill you back up. Yeah, it's so cool. And uh, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing because, you know, we're similar ages. So I thought it would be an interesting question to ask just on mm-hmm. this kind of topic. When I was younger before 25 i was a little bit more highly strung like i was a bit more intense (laughs) right and i was super super focused i'd have like energy drinks 12 coffees a day and i'd be up Uh, to four in the morning every night just smashing it out like i was i would say looking back on it super stressed at mm -hmm. the time i would have said super focused but i would have i'd say now that i was super stressed back then but as i've gotten older and past the age of 25 onto the age of 27 28 now almost 30 i found Mm. that uh, i'm a lot more relaxed and and chill about everything and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing (laughs) but it certainly feels a lot better has that happened to you oh gosh i i definitely resonate i've i've done similar things i used to remember just it's these habit loops like things you just do together and i would just buy like the energy drinks that were on sale and yeah. get two of them and sit down and just pound them and hopefully some water. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to remember my past self and I would just stay hydrated, but mostly it was just caffeine and going in. Yep. Just, just living that world, going on forums, posting on sketchbooks, um, saving art, favoriting art, organizing art folders. Like your whole existence is just consumed, but I, I definitely had that from the ages of about I'd say mine was a little earlier, closer to like 21 to about 20. It did end about 25. I yeah. remember in 2015 making some really nice work and then needing to like almost take a couple of year break to do other things because yeah. I had like beaten my craft so hard yeah. that it, it basically just got freaking broken. So. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I've found that having a break from your craft sometimes I don't know, it lets all the experience sink in and and digest. And when you come back to it, like a week or even a month later, Mm -hmm. you are surprisingly competent at what it is you're trying to do. 
And oftentimes when I take a long break like that, like even now I've been working on this website all week, right? So I haven't done any drawing whatsoever. And, you know, you start to feel a little bit nervous. You're like, ah, oh, damn, am I going to be rusty? Am I going to be terrible at drawing when I get back to it? And a lot of the time I find that I'm surprising. I'm almost, I've almost graduated to a new level. My art is just a little bit more refined than it was. It's a very interesting concept to me because what's drummed into us a lot of the time is to you got to draw every day, you got to practice constantly, and I remember doing that, and it was really great. I think especially when you're younger, it's important to do that, or you're a beginner yeah. maybe. But I find that after a while, I fall into kind of like a trance where I'm I'm going through that process, but I'm really not paying that much attention to it. Like I'm not fully engaged with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think that's a really insightful uh, kind of nugget you touched upon because you mentioned earlier really being very um, very focused on your process and since you work in a, a comic sort of vein, understanding how to tell stories and get the right poses and the right anatomy and just being very meticulous with all that and your focus is really on it, then it's always going to keep improving. Like even if you get one percent increments, that's mm. still amazing improvement. But then after your mind sort of disengages, it's like just driving your car and forgetting how you even got there. Because it's like, yeah. oh, I guess I'm home now. When you were lost in thought, thinking about a movie or the drawing you want to do or how yeah. pretty the cloud shape is. So you just got to always like be fastidious when it comes to um, taking breaks and then reengaging your mind. Like That's something I'm, I'm really big on, especially as I get closer to 30 as well, is just... Um, doing it in like a, a focused 25 minute stint or 45 minute stint or if I'm really on fire like 60 minutes and then getting up, stretching, drinking water, doing whatever and then coming back to it and letting my eyes see it afresh and being ready to focus in again because sometimes you can make more progress in 20 minutes to 60 minutes than you would all day just noodling and trying to fight with the problem. So. Oh yeah, I think getting going away for a bit and having that fresh perspective is so important, so valuable. That's happened to me so much because, and I, again, I don't know if this is because I'm getting older, but if I'm working late into the <laughs> night, it gets about uh -huh. nine o'clock, and I'll be looking at what I'm working on. I'll be just like, man, this this is looking pretty crap, um, and I won't feel great about it. And I think it's because I'm just getting tired. I get a bit. <laughs> I don't know, I fall into this weird depression when I'm too tired for some reason, and then probably the chemicals kind of dwindling yep. in my brain and whatnot, in my body, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then the next morning I'll wake up with a fresh perspective, well-slept mind, and I'll take another look at it, and I'll go, hey, that's not that bad. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's so much of it is our perception and being like privy of your, your being, <laughs> like your body. Like you said, your brain is full of chemicals, and... You, we don't fully understand, you know, unless you're a neuroscientist or a neurologist and understanding nerves in the brain and all these mm -hmm. other elements, how those are affecting your perception. So all we can do is keep refreshing it, like you said. So much of being an artist is being able to hit refresh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, it's so important to be able to do that. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, big time, man. Well, let's get into the good stuff. So uh, what inspired all you right. to share your knowledge and expertise with others through your courses, Taylor? Uh, well, a big part of it, like you said, was just getting the material down in a way that feels cohesive. Like, feels like you have an apprehension of it. Um, that that always was a big driver for me, when, whether it was learning to draw better and up my draftsmanship. And the beginner drawing course for me was basically a, a way to express all of that, but in a way that got other people to understand it too and i've had hundreds of people since i've released it in i think 2015 take the course and i've had just a bunch of beautiful messages coming to me from art station from email from um different like places like cube brush or um i i even from how to draw comics people have found me on youtube and have said nice things and so nice i was like i guess i must have done something right because i it was such a trance for me like 2015 was the year i was really going in and so i had like you know, 60-hour weeks of drawing and painting, and that course was uh, basically made in a, a really intense two-month period of mm -hmm. uh, deeply diving into what I needed to understand um, on a broad level, as like, and what I would give a beginner, because I ultimately wanted to give that to my 
you know, maybe 14-year-old self before I was just struggling for years and years trying to understand why things didn't look right or why um, I would, you know, how you said you'd get up and you'd come back and like, this isn't that bad. Yeah. And it's like the opposite when you're young, when it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is so good. This is the best thing I've ever done. And then you get up and you come back and like, this is terrible. Yep. What was I thinking? Oh, man. Like, I thought it was a dragon. Just like a mushy, like, <laughs> lion. How did I even think that was okay at any point? Like, and yeah. I, I just ultimately wanted to create something that would help people avoid those types of blunders because there's an emotional impact. And until you get a little older and a lot more, like, mileage under your belt you don't really understand that but if you have some decent stuff from the get-go it just lights you up um last thing i know i'm kind of um going off on this uh sort of a deeper tangent but i just remember that yep. i found andrew loomis in college yeah and that was a huge light for me in terms of my my internal brain light bulb it was just like bing here's how you draw and paint here's how you understand the art of picture making mm-hmm. and those things really inspired me to redigest them and sort of put them out for other people to understand it because I didn't know if Loomis would always be available or always accessible to certain people. So I wanted to give a lot of beginners a different route into bettering their abilities. Yeah, totally. Loomis is a fantastic artist. And I agree with you. The thing with Loomis's books is that they were a little bit difficult to understand and comprehend. Like the lesson was there, but... For me, it was just putting what I was seeing on that page into practice. It was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, I had hoped to be able to do a similar thing with my courses as well as just, you know, construct a head, show how it's constructed, and then put it out there. Do the proportions, show you how they're done, put it out there. So I think when you can take knowledge that's already out there and then recycle it and put it in your own words, break it down in your own way, that can be incredibly valuable because there is nothing wrong with Loomis's teachings, even though, I mean, when did that book come out? Gosh, I want to say that he, I know he was working in the 50s, but I, something tells me it was either the 60s or 70s that those books were released. Yeah. They were in the public domain for a while before, I think his family or some somebody who owned the rights to them were like, hey, these are kind of in circulation for free, and they're getting a lot of traffic. We might need to capitalize on this. So <laughs> yeah, now now they have them hardcover in bookstores for forty, fifty, sixty. So they're worth it. They're definitely worth it. But sometimes you you want to just learn from videos and uh, like yep. distill teachings online instead. So totally, man. And as I said to you before, I've tried out your beginners course and made sure I looked through it thoroughly before we uh, we featured it on the site. I like to do that just to make sure that we're we're bringing our audience the best quality education that we can. And I got to yeah. say man, I was very impressed, very impressed with uh your delivery on the information that you're breaking down. You're a fantastic artist as well and and I love what you bring to the table in that regard. But yeah man, just the the way that you break down information, your voice is the kind of voice that people can get engaged with and in the end i think that when you can engage your students that's when they're going to see the best results in their work because they're really listening they're really focusing in on what it is you're telling them so yeah, and i think that you've got some great courses already and that in the future you're going to end up bringing out probably even better volumes of knowledge that that people are really going to get into Thank you. That that means a lot because I, I really set out to create something that I knew would be of value to people. Um, obviously, art education is incredibly expensive, and I, I paid for university, and it's worked out for me. But, or not university, but some people would call it that. It was a private school, but yeah. um, I, pay, I paid for secondary education, and it was, like I said, it, it worked for me. I, I was fortunate to be able to pay all my bills, make a living doing it, but that's not always the case with everybody, and I wanted to... Uh, just make sure that people had access to resources because, you know, obviously with our deeply connected world these days, you should be able to find the, the knowledge you're looking for if you have the, the passion and the calling to do something like this. And so finding it in sort of a an accessible, more beginner-oriented fashion is definitely something I aimed to provide and then to sort of create the anatomical branch of that. Um, with the Simple Anatomy for Artists course because I, I just love to find principles. I, I just, mm. because I 
that's sort of the polymath thing is finding things that are true no matter what as you move across different parts of the craft or parts of several crafts, like things that always hold true. And not only that, they don't fight with other things. So they inter-accommodate one another. Like uh, a strong drawing is always a strong draw. And uh, in the words of Charles Bard, um, a drawing is, you can walk away from it at any time so long as there are no errors, right? Mm -hmm. So you could have the most rudimentary kind of drawing, but if it's done accurately and in four strokes, it's still beautiful and still resonates. So the principles and giving people principles uh, to help them feel powerful and help them feel their work level up because they're attuning to something that's, you know, not quite as mathematically assured as something from the world of like physics or structural engineering, but something that still holds true, like understanding a value scale, understanding proportions, like in your course, for example. Once yeah. people have that template, then they have the information for their inspiration. Yeah, for sure, man. When someone buys one of your courses, what should they expect to get out of it? Well, they should expect a really solid basis across a number of different principles. It's basically like your um, your sampler size of each and every principle and then an actionable assignment with it. So, nice. for example, in the eight-week drawing edition, you start off understanding a little bit about different types of line, and then you start to break down different images using lines. Whatever your style may be, whether you have more of an anime bent, more of a Western comics bent, maybe you really enjoy uh, painting, but you you can't draw as well with just shapes yet, so you need to understand line better. Um, I just think that it all comes back to drawing, and people can expect that once you attune yourself to principles of drawing, you know, uh, different lines, proportions, um, you know, planes of the surface and how they react to light, then you start to really it, feel more creative and feel more possibilities at your fingertips and that's a really fun feeling mm -hmm. i completely agree with you man and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with all the various areas that we wanted to get creative with such as 3d modeling and, and concept art and set design and comic book illustration regular illustration what have you all of those principles that you just mentioned you know perspective proportions form uh, anatomy, they all apply across the board, you know, mm -hmm. because anatomy in concept art is the same as anatomy in 3D modeling. Like, it doesn't change. The muscle groups are all still there. So, yep. yeah, I think it's a fantastic area to focus on when it comes to delivering a volume of information to students that's really going to help them out and lay the the foundation for the what they'll potentially want to do with their skill set later on down the track and you know we all want to jump into the the, the pretty looking details head first and and put the cart before the horse a lot of the time but it's mm -hmm. really those fundamentals that give you a grounding that that help you out with everything that is to come later on in your journey I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you got to put the fun in fundamentals because once you drill them and once you they become second nature to you, then it just feels like you're flying. It feels like you can fly in your craft and stuff just, uh, if there's a problem, your, your brain finds a solution so quickly or you set something up you know is going to work. And so it becomes less about your execution and less about the how to do it and more about the creative options that come higher up the tree of learning. But the, the beginner stuff, you, you can't, you know, build on a, a shaky foundation. Otherwise, no matter how pretty you render something, a bad drawing is still a bad drawing. So um, whether somebody is in, you know, more of a graphic design bent or they want to do comics, but they know that their uh, their basic perspective is off or they don't understand how to separate things by black, white, and gray, the drawing course really helps with stuff like that. And then they can mm -hmm. move on to things like proportions or, you know, designing a really super cool character, uh, you know, like your character creator so yeah big time man i'm excited well in a way uh, i guess your courses would be somewhat the prelude to the courses that i've done on, on more character design process focused stuff mm -hmm. definitely you have that awesome design bent down like yeah. um I, I have been doing a lot more um illustration lately but i know that once i my clients are demanding concept art your courses are the 
the first time I was to grab because I want my characters to have that flair and that awesome kind of design. And I can tell you, you know, you've studied a lot of shapes, you've studied a lot of different attire, and you understand, like, proportions really well. So to level up one's character game, like, I, I can't wait to see what you have in store in some of those <laughs> courses. Awesome, man. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll just give them to you. I don't know why I haven't already. <laughs> Um, oh gosh, I would, I'll take one, but I, I have to buy the others. I'll, I'll get more out of it that way. You know how it is. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Well, just before we wrap it up here, uh, what tips do you have for beginners who are just starting out? Just off the top of your the, head. The biggest stuff is to form the drawing habit. Fifteen minutes uh, a day at first, and always make it easy to draw. Always have a sketchbook by you. Always have your reference folders in a really accessible place. Uh, draw while you're watching TV or, um, you know, on the bus. Just form the habit first and foremost, and then you'll start to get a feeling of what interests you, you know. And then you can start to dig a little deeper into the fundamentals. But without the habit, without the consistency, uh, your your base results are always going to be diminished. So just get excited about it. Uh, always see everything afresh and, and just have fun when it comes to creating. But yeah. always, always just get the consistency part of it in, into your, your being, and then the rest of it will start to fall into place as you put more focus on you know, different principles. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there with the excitement part. You've got to be passionate about this. You've got to be obsessed with it if you really want to make a go of it. I always say that uh, talent is merely the motivation to get better at that which you're most passionate about. True, true, because as I can confirm after exploring a number of realms, you know, in music and math and all these other areas, once you find the fun, no matter what it is, uh, you'll, you'll start to get creative and start to get excited, and your brain will keep working on it when you're laying there going to bed, and that's how you know that the hook is sort of taken, and that you can really pursue this path and see what it, it kind of has in store for you. So to do that with drawing, to see your character start coming to life, to see your world start to unfold on a picture plane, there's there's really no other feeling like it. Yeah, totally, man. All right, finally, where can we find out more about you, your art, and your courses, Taylor? Uh, yeah, so for sure, everybody should go to howtodrawcomics.net, check out the store, and I'm right there. I'm in the uh, store tab as one of the instructors, Taylor Payton. Uh, you can check out the beginner drawing course. Uh, Eight-week edition is the introductory we have the four-week edition with uh, some additional lessons that are slightly more advanced that build upon the previous eight. Uh, if you want to see some of my uh, personal work that I do sort of for fun or for clients, you can check me out on Instagram.com slash Art, T-A-Y-P-A-Y-A-R-T, or uh, just TaypayArt.com for my art station portfolio if you want to see all my uh, more impressionist kind of painterly kind of style that I'm working on right now for clients and my own kind of creative luster so <laughs> nice well i know you've just put out a, a course simple anatomy but have you got any courses new courses in the works just yet taylor uh yeah i have uh the intermediate drawing course believe it or not outlined uh, nice yeah i'm really excited about that one but my clients are a little more excited to have me working on their projects at present so I, I i gotta do right by them um yep. and really just continue to uh, knock it out of the park as much as I can for those pieces. But once the contracts sort of settle down or come to an end and I have a little breathing room, uh, I'm going deep into drawing for probably a good month, and then I'm going to start deploying all the learning I've done over the past four years since I've released the beginner drawing course and give people uh, just deeper insight into the fundamentals with uh, the intermediate drawing course. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm, my goal is to get that out in 2020 in the third or fourth quarter. So... Very awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks so much for being here, Taylor. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you inviting me on, Clayton. And again, uh, I look forward to rocking your courses and then making some hopefully more wicked figure work and then plugging in even more to all my uh, peeps that take a look at what I do. So Fantastic. Well, I hope you get a lot of value out of it. And to the listeners out there, thanks so much for joining us once more on the HTDC podcast. If you'd like more comic art tips, tricks, and tutorials, be sure to visit www.howtodrawcomics.net. Over on the site, you'll find a bunch of tutorials, videos, most of which are free, 
Uh, you got the podcast, of course, and then when you're ready to level up your skill set and take it to the next the next tier in your expertise, I highly suggest you check out our course selection. Until next time, keep on creating, keep on practicing, and I'll see you in the next episode.